Earth Hallelujah, children. Welcome. The Earth wants you. Praise be. The Earth wants you. Your radio podcast event here. Amen. We come to you from the Church of Stop Shopping. I'm Reverend Billy with our co-host, Savitri D. Amen. We've got some kind of godforsaken church service here for you today. We've got the bowhead whale singing to us. We've got Shut It Down NYC. Amen. Our guest, June, from activists every week, every day, trying to make things right, making things right, hallelujah, out there on the streets. We have, this is the week, this is the month, this is the time of tragedies. Saeed Vassal, we will reach out to his family, his neighborhood, try to make sense of this nonsense, this violence in New York, in Crown Heights. We have friends in France under siege at Lazad. We have Bessie Jones. Amen. Savitri, we have the news from the natural world. Good morning, listeners. I'm Savitri D. This is news from the natural world. The Keystone crude oil pipeline leak in November in rural South Dakota was nearly double the original estimate, making it one of the largest U.S. inland spills since 2010. President Trump's budget cuts could doom nearly 200 Hawaiian plant species to rapid extinction. The plants would be gone within five to ten years, says botanist Joan Yashokia. Some within a year. Some would be extinct within a month. A lot of our species are so rare they're down to one population. That's less than a quarter acre in size. Some are down to the last handfuls of individuals. All told, 239 Hawaiian plant species now have populations of 50 or fewer individuals in the wild. The devil. Researchers in the U.S. have been given the go-ahead to use gene-editing techniques to alter crops and plants. The decision opens the door for scientists to create a new generation of genetically altered crops without serious restriction and paves the way for approvals for similar work in Britain and the rest of Europe. In Portugal, favorable weather conditions in the month of March meant that energy from renewable sources exceeded the country's monthly electricity consumption for the first time. Amen. Renewable resources, people. We can do this. Praise be. Dozens of railroad cars holding 10 million pounds of treated human waste are stranded in rural Alabama, stinking up the town of Parrish, population 982. They've been stuck there <laughs> since February. Don't laugh. People live there. 982 sorry, sorry. of these people, and I guarantee you most of them are African-American. All right. They've been stuck there since February, having been shipped out to New York, out of New York and New Jersey by waste management companies for disposal. Federal and state officials say the waste is not a health hazard, but Parish Mayor Heather Hall says the stench is overwhelming. It greatly reduces the quality of life. You can't sit on your porch, kids can't go outside and play, and God help us if it gets hot and this material is still out here. It will get hot in Alabama very soon. Colorado shrinking mountain snowpack at 66% of normal statewide Thursday forced an expanded federal drought designation covering nearly a quarter of the state. A new international study has shown that seabirds are not adapting to warming sea surface temperatures caused by climate change. The study looks at more than 60 species of seabirds from 145 populations around the world. 
with data going back to the 50s. Rising temperatures show that food sources like plankton, insects, and vegetation have been appearing earlier each year, but seabird populations are not matching up their breeding and nesting patterns to adapt to the change. An attack on a shared data network forced four U.S. natural gas pipeline operators to temporarily shut down computer communications with their customers. Temperature records set all over the globe between March 29th and the 31st. Pakistan, 113.9 degrees. Iraq, 110.8 degrees. Qatar, 104 degrees. Turkmenistan, 104.4 degrees. Uzbekistan, 99 degrees. Tajikistan, 95.5 degrees. That's all Fahrenheit, people. That's hot. South Africa's drought-stricken Cape Town has pushed back its estimate for day zero when taps in the city run dry and people start queuing for water to 2019. Cape Town residents have been living with stringent consumption restrictions, which now stand at 50 liters per person per day. Those restrictions remain in effect. The Iowa State Legislature has just passed a bill to make it a felony punishable by up to 25 years in jail for any unauthorized and overt act intended to cause a substantial and widespread interruption or impairment of a fundamental service of gas, oil, petroleum, or refined petroleum products. This is a direct response to activism at the southern end of the Dakota Access Pipeline last year. And, um, <clears throat> well, let's hope this law does not spread across the country. Highly mobile eyebrows that can be used to express a wide range of subtle emotions may have played a crucial role in human survival. I know they helped me. <laughs> like the antlers on a stag, a pronounced wow. brow ridge was a permanent signal of dominance and aggression in our early ancestors, which modern humans traded in for a smooth forehead with more visible hairy eyebrows capable of a greater range of movement. Mobile eyebrows gave us the communication skills to establish large social networks. <laughs> Listen, we're not talking about vape. We're not talking about Facebook. When they say social network, they mean like you and your brother, your cousin, your cousin's friend. Okay, social networks, eyebrows, gains in the ability to sustain attention developed through intensive meditation training are maintained up to seven years later. Seven years. Start meditating now. Rats are able to detect whether a child has tuberculosis and are much more successful at doing this than a commonly used basic microscopy test. The study shows that when trained rats were given children's sputum samples to sniff, the animals were able to pinpoint 68% more cases of TB infections than detected through a standard smear test. Inspiration for investigating the diagnosis of TB through smell came from anecdotal evidence that people suffering from the potentially fatal lung disease emit a specific odor. Human footprints found off Canada's Pacific coast may be 13,000 years old. According to a new study, the finding adds to the growing body of evidence supporting the hypothesis that humans used a coastal route to move from Asia to North America during the last ice age. Last week, some good news. Finally, in Boston, District Court Judge Marianne Driscoll made a potentially landmark ruling in favor of the, quote, necessity defense, that the harms of climate change are reasonable justification for citizens to engage in disruptive Amen. protest. As she reduced criminal charges to a single civil infraction for 13 defendants arrested in a 2016 gas pipeline protest. That's just the opposite of Iowa. And lastly, we could be swallowing more than 100 tiny plastic particles with every main meal. Plastics can come from soft furnishings and synthetic 
fabrics, they get into household dust, they fall on plates, and then we consume them. Researchers put Petri dishes containing sticky dust traps on the table next to dinner plates in three homes at mealtimes. Up to 14 pieces of plastic were found in the Petri dishes at the end of a 20-minute meal. Scientists conclude that the average person, the yeah. average person swallows up to 68,415 potentially dangerous plastic fibers a year simply sitting down to eat. People, the plastics are killing us. Whoa. And they're killing everyone else and everything else. Stop using plastic. Stop the plastics. Bad for seabirds and bad for dinner. <laughs> but you know, a seabird sometimes. No, never mind. You know, <laughs> I don't eat seabirds. I don't even know what. How would you eat a seabird? How would you even catch a seabird to eat it? You could eat an avocet or a curlew or a sandpiper. Sandpiper if might be just a couple to. bites. But we you know, strictly avoid seabirds in the church of stop shopping. I don't think that my vegan wild animals are members of my eaten. audience are appreciating that line. Yes, of Yes, we await the vegan backlash. Yeah, come on, here it comes. <laughs> We deserve it. You know, Anniston, Anniston, Alabama, uh, is, a, is a, a town that had a, a Monsanto um, a facility within its city limits. Uh, and Monsanto's depositing of waste for decades... Um, very nearby, um, poisoned the people of Anniston, an African-American community, a sacrifice community. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. and, the um, Gulf Coast is yeah, a uh, frequent site of such sacrifice, unfortunately. Reminds me of your, of your um, news item about the uh, human waste parked, uh, for one reason or another, by an African-American community. Parrish, uh, Alabama, uh, yes. Parrish. Um, is it? Do you know that it is, or or you you surmise that it is? I would surmise that it is. They're poor anyway. There's sacrifice community, no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, regardless of race, this is definitely a place uh, that yeah. is accepting waste because it, it its other economies have are not flourishing. Probably that is waste coming from our metropolitan area. I should note, and New York has been shipping its waste to um, p places like Parish for <laughs> decades. In so. more more ways than one, we've been. Yeah. It, uh, well, Anniston was uh, uh, simply simply a cancer zone uh, at such a high rate. So many people were dying of cancer that uh, from from the chemicals uh, that oh, I can see his face. He was he was the he was the African American super lawyer who got O.J. Simpson. Johnny off. Cochran. Yes, Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cro Cochran was brought in to Anniston, mm -hmm. and won a settlement of, of hundreds of millions yes. of dollars, and it was the first of its kind, the first yes. time that a, chem a chemical company had been brought to uh, that kind of, that mm -hmm. level of justice. Yes. Uh, and he, he, he now has passed away, but uh, his, his uh, <laughs> tradition has but not... But we won't forget you, Johnny, for so many Johnny, reasons. Johnny, you have, you have set up, uh, you have protected many sacrifice communities ever since. That was the case, the president-making case. Let's go to a song. Here's Bessie Jones. Way down yonder, sometime, below the law. Sometime, vote for marriage. Sometime, there's mother-in-law. Sometime, let's get on board. 
Sometimes I want to ball like Jack. Sometimes I tell my honey come back. Sometimes I want to rap back Jack. Sometimes I get a hop at my back. Sometimes I'm going over here. Sometimes I'm going to get my pal. Sometimes we down young. Sometimes we lose the law. Sometimes we from marriage. Sometimes it is mother-in-law. Sometimes I let's get on board. Sometimes I'm going to ball like Jack. Sometimes I tell my honey come back. Sometimes I want to rap back Jack. Sometimes I get a hop in my back. Sometimes the great Bessie Jones. Check her out. Alan Lomax recorded a lot of her music. She is just a tremendous artist, and you can also listen to her commentary on life, and it will just crack you up all day. She curses, I'm warning you, <laughs> a lot. Um, so we had a police shooting, an assassination here in New York City, a drive-by in Crown Heights, a what? rapidly gentrifying neighborhood, uh, very close to where we're recording today. Um, a drive-by. Vassell. That's well put, a drive-by. A, a neighborhood guy. A drive-by murder. Killed by police, state-sanctioned violence. Uh, a tremendous uh, response by the community. And here we have some clips from that rally on Wednesday night. Oh. The family justice. of Saeed Basel. And I just want to thank everyone to be here. I thank you for all the cause. He did not deserve to have a piece of iron into his hand for the cause them to kill him. No way. No way. It's unjustified. And I want justice. They murdered my son, and I want justice for him. And Saeed is a very good young man. And I just don't want no one to portray him as if he was a low life. He is not. And I just want to get it clear that Saeed came from a good family. And they have no right to shoot him down the way how they did it. Because Saeed is no gunman. And if Saeed has something in his hand, if the cop didn't even shot him into his leg and he paralyzed, I would have taken care of him. I've never seen him hurt nobody. If he say, yo, if anybody won't bother Saeed, Saeed, I got my hands up. I don't want to fight you. None of that. Never. If anybody was to mess with me, even in, even in the state that he was in, Saeed is running down to... Eastern Parkway, and he going to Haiti, Africa, no matter what, to make sure I was good. Mm. Uh, the family of Saeed Vassal. Of Saeed's brother? His yeah. brother and mother speaking in Crown Heights on Utica Avenue uh, last Wednesday. We have in the studio with us today June from Shut It Down, NYC. Uh, Shut It Down have been really leading the way, uh, telling the stories of people uh, reminding us of their lives, uh, asking us to carry these stories into the culture, into into our futures, uh, and to stop the killing. Make making our our response as a community continuous, so it, it, we're not always <laughs> starting from a standing position when another murder takes place of a, of, a, of an unarmed person of color in our community. 
but rather keeping keeping the conscience steady and alive, keeping our responses uh, week by week, month by month. I'm very grateful to shut it down. June, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. I'm sorry the circumstances are what they are, but they just keep happening, right? So talk to us. This is absolutely true. Thank you for having me. Um, And thank you for putting uh, not just this movement, but this case in particular, this case in particular, um, into the forefront right now. I think it needs to stay there. Um, This, I mean, this case, uh, just like you you were saying, uh, Billy has it had that uh, that possibility to really catch us off guard because it was it was right here right here in our home right here in our backyard um, but I think part of part of shut it down's mission is you know not just to continue the work of the Black Lives Matter movement but to keep it sustained um, so that as things stagnate a little bit as things get quieter in the media, we aren't starting from a standing position. We aren't uh, exactly. coming back at this without a playbook. Um, and with any luck, with any luck, uh, shut it down. And all of the wonderful organizations that were out there on Wednesday, um, last Wednesday for Saeed, and uh, the Wednesday before for uh, Stefan Clark. With with any luck, shut it down. And those organizations can continue this work without too much struggle and without feeling like we need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to saying that uh, Black Lives Matter and that Amen. we need uh, a real change in the way in the way our communities are handled and policed. We heard his mother saying he comes from a good family. We, we need justice. We heard his brother saying he would help anybody, that he was a neighborhood person. He had eyes on the street. <clears throat> How do we get eyes on the street? How do we get, you know, citizen eyes on the street again so that we can protect people? I mean, if the cops are going to just drive by and kill somebody without asking questions, what do we do? How can we stop this? I think, I think what's interesting about that more than anything, um, part of what, what I heard from the family uh, last week was that the eyes on the street that we're looking for, they already there. And in, in, in large part, that's what Saeed was to this community, you know, someone that, you know, every deli man, everyone on the corner knows, you know, someone that everyone in this community knows, that was Saeed. And that Mm. is, I think, another reason this is such a a huge blow um, is you can you can count on people um, who have that sort of reputation, who have that that uh, kind of familiarity with a whole community. You can count on those people to be the people that you you can talk to instead of the police. Mm -hmm. And something that the family kept saying, and not just the family, but every organization present, um, from church groups to more militant activist groups like Shut It Down, um, to, to family members, to community members, what everyone kept saying is that the real problem here uh, is not just the police response, is not just the way the police acted, but the way the community acted and the way the newcomers in the community right. acted. To call 911 <sighs> on a black person oh. is to consent to that black person's death, oh. is to sentence that black person to death. And that is a fact that people moving into black and brown communities in this city and everywhere across this country need to understand. Get with it. You cannot be calling 911 and expecting a positive outcome. If you are calling 911 for whatever reason, you have to understand that that black or brown body that gets in between whatever the police uh, objective is and those those cops, 
that body is in danger. That body uh, is is not liable to survive. Right. I mean, that highlights this this divide that exists, right? That white people think the cops work for them because Absolutely. guess what? The cops a lot of times do work for them. But if you move into Crown Heights, you know, you, you really have to hear what June just said. If you move into a neighborhood, you have to look around at that neighborhood, see what that neighborhood already is. It's not your neighborhood. It's not yours for the taking. You don't just do what you want there. You have to learn to be in a place. Oh, man. I think of Toni Morrison's book, Jazz. I think of Jane Jacobs, The Death and Life of Great American Cities. We have this battle um, in our writing. We have teachers. We have, this has been known. Eyes on the street is a phrase that comes to us from years ago. Um, Gentrification's not new. Uh, we're, 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 we don't have an ally in, in uh, Bill de Blasio right now. We don't, um, we, don't, we don't have a police force that seems to be prior prioritizing the, the special environment of a gentrifying neighborhood, how racism is inflamed there, and how the eyes on the street are pushed away, and then you suddenly have these glassy lofts, you know, with no stoops. You know, Ruby Dee's not on the top of the stoop seeing everything. Saeed is not out there jumping around. And now we have, at the same time that we have the gentrifying of the environment, we have cops coming in who have been f in Afghanistan and Iraq and they're, they're coming in as militarized they have a soldier's attitude so he has some welding equipment that to some people might look like a, like a, like a gun but that is a militarized response that is assuming that person's an enemy and you kill that person you kill you shoot to kill that person that's not a community response that's not a caring response. All they had to do was put their guns down and walk to the bodega and ask some questions about who is this guy. They didn't do that once. They didn't, they didn't, they went straight. It's like Tamir Rice, straight from the car to the gun. Absolutely. Um, and the point you bring up about, uh, about these, these police officers being from, uh, are, are coming from Iraq and Afghanistan with that, that militarized attitude is is important um this this is uh this is not new the nypd has had a militarized attitude for a long time um the police in the city are trained by members of the idf the israeli defense force um trained in uh tactics for specific colonialist repression um like you know crowd control um the strategic response group the the police that were uh, out in full force on Wednesday for our protest. Those those people, those police, um, are headed by uh, an officer, a commander, Anthony Lombardo, mm -hmm. um, who has connections to Abu Ghraib, who has connections to a torture camp. You know, oh. you know, this is absolutely um, there is there is almost no distinction. I mean, the NYPD is an occupying military. There's uh, somewhere between 30 and 50,000 police officers in the city. Mm -hmm. That makes up about, what, a, a 16th of the population? Mm -hmm. A 16th of the population are armed personnel patrolling our neighborhoods and murdering our citizens. That's not uh, a community police force. That's an occupying army. Mm. Oh. Mm. I know you carry a lot of stories. Do you want to tell us some a, a story that, for you, is 
particularly resonant or one that you know you you know a lot about um i mean this this one is really really hitting me hard um before before the march for uh said last wednesday um we uh or last thursday rather um we were um uh all going about our days i remember i was actually teaching on eastern parkway and i remember seeing uh cop car after cop car going rushing down Eastern Parkway um, and then after getting off work um, getting a, a text uh, with the news that someone had just been shot by police and I was already on my way back home and I turned right back around went back to Crown Heights um, and it was it was an intense moment I think for everyone um, but particularly in that moment um, that evening that that moment when it had just happened. The street was still taped off, um, and people were coming out of their stores, uh, coming out of their homes. And you know, for a lot of people, uh, there's this video of uh, just after the incident, a, a big crowd gathering. For a lot of people, they didn't know. You know, they they didn't get the news on their phone. They didn't get the news um, right away. So they were coming home from work uh-huh, that evening. Uh-huh. They were coming home from school. Or, or what have you, um, and finding out from their neighbors and watching that scene, that that was uh, one of the most heartbreaking, oh. mm-hmm. but also one of the most beautiful things because that is uh, what what that community is. That is the the vibrance in the life yeah. of that community is that that's how this information was spreading. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Crown Heights is a, a largely Caribbean neighborhood. It's yes. extremely family oriented really close-knit, like block-to-block, um, really incredible street life, people talking. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. Absolutely. Um, I think if there's any case I would have to compare this to um, that really sticks out for me, it would be the the Tamir Rice case. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in Cleveland for a short time and uh, lived on West Boulevard just by Cadell. Um, I walked past... Uh, the gazebo where he was shot every day on my way to work. Um, and that is a community that has only seen an increase in militarized policing mm-hmm. um, and yet has not has not given up, has not calmed down, is not any less angry. Um, the anniversary of his death, uh, of Tamir's death, uh, his birthday, um, you know, these are all still community events um, even years after mm-hmm. um, that a, a community that has been dealing with uh, poverty mm-hmm. with drugs with um, other kinds of violent crime you know and dealing with it on their own mm-hmm. dealing with it largely without the help of police without the help of local government uh-huh. um, you know they had this horrible trauma and that's a trauma for the family and a trauma for the entire community. They have this horrible trauma that is worsened by the fact that now uh, you have uh, the police coming in and doubling down Mm. rather than taking that step back and Mm -hmm. saying, we have done something wrong, we have murdered a Mm -hmm. child. They double down and say, well, we need to reinforce, we need to maintain our presence we need to maintain an occupation mm-hmm. because that's what this is this is this is more than gentrification this is colonialism mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is this is uh, a military occupation 
Well, the, the, the average American just has so much trouble making that jump to, um, you know, our bulwark of, of freedom rhetoric. Uh, the eagles and the drums are so strong in us. In Windsor Terrace, we live in a cop neighborhood, <laughs> and, but there seems to be a, um, a pattern in, my, in the neighborhood where we live where there are, the, somebody will put out a big flag and then there'll be a flag on the porch next door. Now, we live in a, in a cluster of 12 flags. <laughs> now, these, these are middle-class people. Uh, like cops, they're, uh, they're pensioners. They, they expect to get a pension. They work for the government. They're uh, teachers, yeah, garbage civil people. civil servants, basically, yeah. Um, and uh, there are old Irish bars there that are famous, especially on St. Patrick's Day. Farrell's, Killian. You know, rhythm and booze, ferals. Uh, I apologize for that. <laughs> Killian is from Dublin, and, and any Irish reference is suddenly directed at him. <laughs> but the, the, um, uh, the difficulty in um, talking in, a, in a, an, a sane, relaxed way about the behavior of police, the... Everybody has got this troll, like a troll like that works for the Koch brothers, that like comments is at the top of your commentary column. It's whenever. a cult. It's a cult. Law and enforcement is a cult. It's very quick, very quick Absolutely. to automatically accuse any questioning of their behavior uh, with um, a, a, you are attacking America generally. And they go all the way up. They go all the way up in mm -hmm. seconds, all the way up to World War II. You know, <laughs> um, it's a sentimental patriotism at its worst. It's just <laughs> habitual in this country. And people come from other countries and they see, you ever, ever have a friend visit from, from oh. uh, and yeah. they just see all these flags everywhere. And, and it's almost comic uh, how patriotic we are. Now, of course, after Giuliani, um, um, there was a conflation of American empire building uh, and soldiering. You say after Giuliani, but it was actually 9-11. I think what you're referring to is 9-11. It wasn't just Giuliani. It was a nationwide you know, sentimentalizing of patriotism. And now but we I live with it. I was in the uh, Esperanza Garden on, on 9th Street before 9-11, and he, uh, he surrounded about 50 of us in that garden with hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds right. of, of... And it looked to me like I said, oh, my God. And there were helicopters above. Uh, it was... Uh, yeah, that was a military siege. It was more like he was ready for 9-11. You know, he was ready to... Um, <sighs> June, why don't you tell us about the Monday nights in Grand Central Station? Yeah, so uh, NYC Shut It Down has been doing what's called uh, a People's Monday every Monday for the past three years. Um, it is... Uh, a day where we come together in protest and highlight a different story of police or state violence um, of any kind um, against black and brown people, um, black, brown, and indigenous people. Um, and we, we tell their story, we say their name, um, and we, we pay respect to, to their memory and to their family. Um, this, uh, it started in Grand Central, but we're all over the city now. Um, we uh, we were uh, just here at uh, Barclay Center 
last night. Um, we've been focusing really heavily um, on Spanish Harlem, which is a community we've had a longstanding relationship with um, and a community that knows us. Um, and just recently in the, in the past couple of months, we have expanded People's Monday to not just protest, but also uh, a monthly food serve. At the end of every month, we're up on uh, 116th in Lexington, uh, free hot meals for the community nice. um, with plans to at some point expand that um, to maybe more often um, or just more food, uh, whatever we can do. Um, can I donate to you? Absolutely. Yeah. What would be the? Uh, yeah. How do we uh, donate? Uh, or I know there's two streams website. of. I know there's two streams of donations going on right That's now. That's right. You can donate to shut it down um, at the shut it down GoFundMe. That is uh, just GoFundMe slash shut it down NYC shut it down the Grand Central Crew, and then there is the you caring for uh, Saheed Vassal's family. Um, and that's you caring slash justice for Saheed Vassal. And that's two S's and two yes, L's. And two that. S's, two L's. Two ways to support the work of these wonderful activists in New York City who really, you know, you heard three years every Monday. It's hard to keep a ritual, a tradition uh, uh, going that long. It's hard to bring people out that many times. And um, I want to just say thank you from the bottom of my heart as a New Yorker, as a you know, um, someone who was born in this country, um, thank you so much for doing what you've done, for carrying these stories. And um, it's so easy f to just let everything fade into the past, you know. And these stories have to be told over and over again. We have to look into the faces of these children. We have to look into the faces of these women and men who are shot down by the police, whose lives are taken from them and their families. You know, we heard Saeed, Saeed Basel's mother speaking. You know, you just have to really get in her shoes for a minute. She raised that boy up in New York City. She raised him up. It's not an easy place to be a parent. I can tell you that under any circumstances. She raised him up. He survived being a kid in New York City. And then what? She you said that if, if they had shot Saeed in the foot, I would have taken care of him. I mean, bless her and the whole family. And why didn't they, if they had to do, if they had to, if they had to, if they felt they had to stop him in some way, there was definitely a way to do it without killing him. Let's go to a song. Oh. 
You know, June, we normally start the interview by asking um, what and where your favorite place on earth is. If you could just tell us briefly about that. Um, I mean, I grew up here in Brooklyn, so I would be remiss right now if I didn't say somewhere here in Brooklyn. Um, uh, Fort Greene Park. Yes. Absolutely. Um, is a wonderful Fort park. Fort Greene Park, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Underneath um, the Walt Whitman plinth. Yes. Um, <laughs> a memorial that is absolutely worth absolutely worth being there um, to to our our brothers and sisters who died in the passage um, of chattel slavery the the Mayafa um, who died on the boats who did not who did not make it uh, to be the property of, of the white colonizer um, and that is something that every child in that neighborhood grows up knowing mm-hmm. and that grows up kind of looming at first and it's a, a scary haunting thing especially being uh, a black child in that in that environment but it also gives you a wonderful sense of power I think um, and growing up with with the privilege of a family that made sure that I knew that and Fort sure. Green must have been in some ways a wonderful place to grow oh, up absolutely. with its incredible traditions and it's th- the strength of that neighborhood the the resilience of that neighborhood, the things that it's been through, and just so solid. Yeah, um, it it is. And uh, growing up during the, I guess the final the final stages of its gentrification yeah. was uh, certainly okay. something. Um, I mean, my grandmother. I grew up in my my grandmother's house, so my family had been there for some time. Um, and listening to my mom, listening to my grandmother talk about the neighborhood. Uh, as a black neighborhood is always it, it seems mythical at times yeah you know mm-hmm. I'm looking at a you know a, a hungry ghost and you know green light bookstore bless their hearts yeah um, and I'm like <laughs> there's there's just no way yeah it's there's unbelievable no way. and it was so fast I mean I, I lived in the Fort Green in 1996 and you know there was yeah. guns on the street it was a very different neighborhood but you know, it had pockets of violence, but it was mostly just not like that at all. It was just had a reputation for being this really intense, you know, murder avenue and all of yeah. that. And But actually, it was this, I don't know, I'd never been anywhere like it in my life. I it thought, has, this is paradise. It has always been a cultural center, an artistic center. I mean... Um, I mean, Spike Lee, to say the least. Um, but, Spike uh, Lee yeah. and his family, right? Yeah. Um, but... Uh, there's there's so much there's so much there um i mean bam is right around the corner so there's always uh young artists trying to make their way make their way in there up those steps so i think yeah even even throughout that reputation it's always been um a cultural center and it's always been a black cultural center which is um really important to me. So even even growing up in the, the final stages and really watching uh, my parents and my grandparents lose their neighborhood, watching, um, you know, I think my grandmother's got two or three of her, her original neighbors, her black neighbors mm. left. Um, wow. It's still, it's still something, you know. It's oh, still yeah. something to hold on to. 
We're going to go to a song now from the Stop Shopping Choir. Thank you, June, from Shut It Down. I want to thank June and remind people, uh, GoFundMe slash Shut It Down NYC Grand Central Crew. Um, Help these people. They are doing the most wonderful, strong work. And also you caring, justice for Saeed Vassell. Yes, please Um, send that family some love. Yeah, support these communities. Um, And June, we'll see you on the street. Thank you. John Crawford. John Crawford. Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland. Miriam Carey. Miriam Carey. Amadou Diallo. Amadou Diallo. Oscar Grant. Oscar Grant. Eleanor Bumpers. Eleanor Bumpers. Jesse Hernandez. Jesse Hernandez. Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice. Ayana Stanley Jones. Ayana Stanley Jones. Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Emmett Till. Emmett Till. Get home safe. Said Vassell.
Was that in Ferguson that we that we it might recorded be that? A recording from Ferguson. From the parking lot in front of that Walmart. Thanks again yeah. to June from Shut It Down NYC Thank for you, June. being with us. Uh, we turn now to the Earth. Extinctions got talent. And today the bowhead whale. The bowhead whales are found in the waters of the Arctic Ocean, the Sea of Ochats, Hudson Bay and the Gulf of St. Lawrence and the Bering, Tucci, and Beaufort, <laughs> Beaufort, Beaufort Seas between Alaska and Russia. These are Arctic animals. They migrate within these waters rather than moving seasonally to more temperate waters like other great whales. Um, they stay in the Arctic all year, moving between summer feeding and wintering areas, making bowheads one of only three whale species that spend their entire lives under the ice. The bowhead is a mysticete whale, a suborder of cetaceans characterized by rows of baleen plates, a symmetrical skull, and paired blowholes. The species is recognized by its large skull, which is capable of breaking through sea ice at least 20 centimeters thick. That's about two feet of ice. Amen. Um, Inuit people have reported whales surfacing through ice so thick they couldn't break it with anything. Adult bowheads have an average length of 15 to 20 yards and weigh over 100 tons. They give birth to a single calf every three to six years, and they can live over 200 years. <laughs> and they're threatened? <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're threatened. Um, recent changes in the Arctic ice have allowed scientists to record their songs in great detail. And um, this is very recent. Um, th they've discovered the complexity of their songs. They, they thought, like, um, humpback whales... Um, that they all had one song, but now they've discovered that they are in a constant creative process. And the, and the complexity of their songs is likened to jazz music for its breadth and um, uh, improvisation. Uh, so the bowhead whale, we listen now to some of that hot jazz. up in Fairbanks. If you're listening, you've probably heard that sound. <laughs> Reminds me of Cecil Taylor. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Cecil. Well, then it's Cecil's birthday on Sunday. Happy birthday. He's on Billy Holiday on, on, on Saturday. Cecil and Friday, Pat our daughter, Lena Talon. Lena Nightstar Talon is eight years old. Happy birthday, my darling. Well, it's Cecil Taylor's 
birthday in the sense that there's a new spirit among us. Uh, he passed away just this last week. Yeah, but also it was his birthday on Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, I know because I listened to him for 24 hours straight on KCR. Oh, I see. Amen. Praise <laughs> me. There you go. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't have to mention. Well, Cecil, the bowhead whale. Reminds me of the Art Ensemble of Chicago, too. Now I'm, a, now I'm becoming a jazz head here. Watch out. We celebrate difference. We celebrate the Sahids. We, we, we celebrate the, the people in our communities that are the walking zeitgeist, the, the vibe, the, the bowhead whale, the Cecil Taylor, the, the catching the notes, the melodies in the air the kind of complexity that is being banished from us by the monoculture, the colonizing of the violent police trying to be identical to each other, and the colonizing of the architecture and, and economic structures of gentrification. The great defense against the ultimate gesture of gentrification and colonization Trump's wall against his idea of evil. The great defense against the wall is the dance. It don't mean a thing unless it, and if it ain't got that swing, that's the Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington. Let's, let's come up with another one. Uh, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. Emma Goldman. <laughs> we celebrate the motion. That is the source, the joy, the power of the revolution that will, will bring us peace. We reach out to the people battling the pipelines in Iowa, in Albany, on Monday the 23rd. Am I right? The, uh, we will be in Boston at the Back Bay Billionaires Pipeline on Saturday the 21st on our way to the, the First Parish UU Church in Bedford on the night of the 21st Saturday. plug a little plug. The pipeline is an infrastructure that is, that is servicing gentrification throughout our, our, our land. If we are able to stop fracking, we seem unable to stop the infrastructure of shipping natural gas. This all supports the monoculture. This all supports the violent police. It is where earth justice and human justice are one. Celebrate the difference. Celebrate the dance. Earth Alleluia. Thank you, everyone.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, I really enjoyed that show. But is there any way I can contact you guys about you know I have I have an opinion and I want to reach out to you. How do I do that? Well, absolutely. Revbilly at revbilly.com. And I'm Savitri at RevBilly.com. It's easy to reach us. Go to our website. You'll find a contact button right there. You can reach us on on the corporate sites. But we prefer a direct connection. I'm not even going to mention those places because I want to hear from you. Savitri at RevBilly.com. Well, I'm a young, hip, cool millennial. Are you guys on those social medias as well? Easy to find us there. You just have to do some combination of Rev, Billy, Talon, Stop Shopping. You'll find us in a second. And we'll uh, trade uh, the old-fashioned street address. Our phone numbers are public. We're trying to trust the world right now and invite other people to be what we call direct friends. Yeah, Not through corporations. Let's just trust each other. Let's get know? back to that original media. Talking, listening. I talk to you. You listen to me. I now, listen I, to you. I know you, some of, you, the, some of you work for Donald Trump. Some of you work for Vladimir Putin. You'll be contacting us as well. Well, come on in. I got one final question, okay? I really like this episode of the podcast, but I want to listen to all the other episodes. Is there anywhere where this is available online? You can find all of our previous episodes at revbilly.com slash radio. They're all there. Or you can go to SoundCloud and, again, do that wonderful search, Rev Billy. You'll find it in a second, and it's all there. Amen.